0: Open your Bibles with me or turn there in your notes to Acts chapter 5. Let's lay a little bit of groundwork of what we looked at last week and where we're going this morning. Last week we looked at verses 12 through 21. And I put the text there in your bulletin. We're not going to read that again this morning, but it's there in your notes. And last week we saw that through the work of the apostles' hands, the Lord was doing many signs and wonders. And we talked about how the Lord wants to work through our hands. And the title of our message last week was, um, you know, it being soldiers for Jesus in the great spiritual war and how the Lord has a call on all of us that know Christ to be about his business, to be a people of prayer, to be a people that are walking in the gifts that he has given to us, to recognize our time here is very short. And we talked about how if Everyone in the body of Christ just walked in the simple things God has called them to walk in. What an impact it would make in a world that just desperately needs Jesus, when all the parts of a body are just functioning and serving in their own role. Man, it makes the body so much more effective and so much more healthy. We also talked about how as they walked in the power of God and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ uncompromised, the Lord added to the church, the Lord healed many Many were delivered from devils. And as a result of that, as a result of this great move of God, the enemies of the cross as well as the enemy of our soul was indignant. That's the word used there in the scripture, which means to be furious, to be filled with anger. And as a result, the enemy, you know what, struck against the church. We saw that Peter and John, and it says the apostles were arrested. They put them in jail for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But praise God, our God is greater and our God is higher. I know a song that goes like that. And remember, the Lord sent an angel that had lockpicking skills. And he went there that night and opened the uh, gate of the prison and told them to go and to teach these words of life, to go there back to uh, the temple and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And it says that they went and they did as the Lord had called them to do. And so we pick things up here this morning. That's where we are in a text. We'll read verse 21 here in a second and dive into this. And this morning what we're going to look at is the fact that the enemies of God and oftentimes the enemy of our soul, uh, you know it Lucifer who has fallen and those angels that fell with them that are part of this spiritual war that we're in, they think they're in charge, but listen, there's good news. They are not. God is on the throne, and God is ruling and reigning on high. We're going to see as well in the midst of this as these men, these enemies of the cross that were in a place of power and in a a government-type position, they commanded them. In fact, they strictly commanded them not to preach Jesus. And so they were in a place where the Lord had told them to take the gospel out to the world, and now here is a government entity telling them it is illegal to do this and they have the question what do we do and we're going to see clearly we're going to see clearly in this text and in scripture that we are always called to obey the laws of god and the commands of god over the laws of men that come forth that are contrary to what god has called us to do and listen in this day we're living in now we need to know these things because we're getting pressed right now I think in many ways the church is being tried to put in the corner and being told to be quiet. And so how do we balance this? How do we balance, you know, at honoring the laws of the land and doing our best to be respectful of those authorities, but at the same time knowing that God is the highest authority and God has called us to walk according to his word. And we'll see the response they give to these men is we ought to obey God other than men. And then finally, we will see in all of this, praise God, that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And now even in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these things that come our way, as we put our eyes on the Lord, listen, He always works things for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Let me ask you this morning, do you love the Lord? Can you say amen to that? And then let me ask you as well, I'll start early, do you know the Lord? Have you called on His name? Can you say amen to that? Then listen, as you've called on the name of the Lord, The Lord has called you according to His will. And if you're called according to His will, you'll call on the name of the Lord. It's amazing how that works out. So what we're going to do from here is we're just going to make our way down through the passage a few verses at a time, and you should be able to follow along real closely there and easily with your notes. You'll notice the boxed scripture there in your notes. That's like the portion we'll teach on, and then those other verses. Just go along, and we'll read some of those. I'll just make reference to some of those, and you'll have them right there with you to Leave and, and, you know, if you want to do more with that afterwards, which I encourage you to do, you can do that. So notice Acts 21, uh, verse 5, verse 21. It says, And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. After they'd heard the angel tell them, Go teach these words of life. They went up and they went after they'd been sprung from jail. It says, But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. And now notice verse 22. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And notice, exclamation point. So it should be, And we found no one inside! Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. Now listen, these men that had arrested the apostles and put them in jail, make no mistake about it, they thought that they were in control. The truth is, nothing could be further from the truth. They had arrested these innocent men who were obeying God, and they were also within the laws of the land there and what they were doing. They went and they arrested them, though, because they were jealous of what was going on. They were preaching the true gospel while these enemies of the cross were adhering to a false man-based works, false gospel. We also know that absolutely they saw the church exploding numerically, and again, that greatly had them concerned because they really controlled the people. They really lorded over the people. There were all kinds of things going on. So they had them arrested for doing this. And they thought that this would stop the movement. But listen, when the Holy Spirit is moving, you're not going to stop the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. And in fact, instead of stopping the movement that God was doing, instead it brought an intervention from God. And bringing forth another sign Another wonder by, again, sending this angel who went in and not only picked the lock, but told them to go out and preach, which they did. And then they come the next morning, and not only are they not in jail, the angel, for good measure, shut the door. You know, we'll really throw a, throw, throw a loop on them. And so, a meeting, it looked like they'd been raptured out of there or something. You know, I, you know God's got a great sense of humor there. And listen, there, there's great truth for us here this morning. Because the Scripture declares, and all you got to do is look around, and you don't even need to be some great conspiracy theorist. And you can see there's a lot of evil, godless people, not based on, we don't know anyone's heart, but based on their policies, their actions, their aggression towards the cross of Calvary. There's a lot of people in high places all over the world that think they're in control but hear this this morning, the truth of the matter is they are not. And you've got to remember that as the body of Christ. You've got to know that we have an enemy of our soul that loves to engage in psychological warfare, to come against our minds, to make us start to think that God's not on the throne. But these people that have been put in these places, a lot of times they're there is a reflective of the people that they even, you know what, rule over. Sometimes they're there as the result, again, as fall of man. But we've got to remember they think that they're in control, but they are not. And the Scripture makes this so clear. Notice there in our notes we have Psalm chapter 2. And remember just recently in Acts chapter 4 when this first wave of persecution started against the church, Peter and John were arrested. They'd become regulars now. They're in county jail. They're arrested again here now. They had gone in. They strictly told them not to preach the gospel Then they let them loose. And remember, they went and they had a prayer meeting. And they started by saying, you're the God who created heaven, earth, the sea, and all that's in them. And then they quoted Psalm chapter 2. And Psalm chapter 2 is an assurance to us that though these nations and the kings, they rage against God, and they plot a vain thing, notice there in your notes, that they say, let's break the bonds of pieces and cast away the cords from us. It says, they go against the Lord and His anointed. So they have an agenda that says, we don't want God. We don't want God in our country. We don't want God in our schools. We don't want God at all. We're going to cast off those cords. Lord, you're not going to rule over us. Notice verse 4. It says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Shall laugh. The Lord's laughing this morning. Now, on one hand, no doubt, he's grieving over the sins and rebellion of men. But at the same time, He laughs, and it says, he shall hold them in derision or in contempt. And then it says, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. He says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Who's he speaking here? Who's the anointed one? Who is his king? Who is the one on the holy hill in Zion? Let me tell you, his name is Jesus Christ. And he's ruling and he's reigning on high. And this is where, again, it's so good to stand in the Scriptures because the things going on in the world today, the Scripture told us, the Bible, the Lord told us, you know, the Holy Spirit moving through the writers of the New Testament and Old Testament prophets told us these things would unfold as they're unfolding. Absolutely. And as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, they would increase more and more and more. And boy, you see it happening all around us. Now, also, we need to know, that in the midst of their plots and plans to come against his anointed one, to come against the Lord, in the life of the believer, in the life of those that call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, this is encouraging. God works all things for good for those that love him and again are called according to his purposes. And we got to remember that. The things going on, some of these heavy-handed individuals that are in place of political leadership right now really you know what giving a lot more liberties to groups and you know what functions that are not the church that seem to really even have an aim to suppress the church and silence the church god is wanting to work that for good for the church for you as a follower of the lord jesus christ I know over the last 10 weeks, my walk with the Lord has gotten a lot more intimate. I don't know about yours, but mine has. I know that there's been a lot more Jesus talk in my home. There's been a lot more prayer. There's been a lot, of, lot more sobering of my heart and what God has called me to do. And I've really had to step back and soul search and say, listen, how far am I willing to go for the cause of Jesus Christ? Am I willing to go all the way to the, do our dear say it? The grave, if that has to be the case, it's very sobering. And then from there, looking to Jesus and saying, Lord, I, I don't know if I can do that, but greater is He who is in me than He is in the world, amen. And with God, all things are possible. But God works these things for good on our lives. From the bondage of Joseph, remember his brother selling him into slavery and then him in prison. And yet God would use that to put him in a place of leadership to save all of Israel. Boy, God used that for good, didn't it? Didn't he? Or how about Jesus' death on the cross? That the Father would use to atone for our sins. He would raise him the 3rd day, and this morning we know that we know that we're saved when we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. See, even what's going on today, this rise of this Really, new world order that the Bible talks about in the Book of Revelation and Daniel and all of these different, you know, Bible passages that talk about an in times one world government, a one world religion, a one world economy that is Antichrist, and yet God is using that to usher in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, notice the words that Joseph said to his brothers there in Genesis fifty twenty. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, notice, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And I have no doubt that the things going on in the world today, God is wanting to use it for good in the life of his church, to stir us to abide in Christ, to be about his business with the hopes that it would save many people alive, that it would bring many people to salvation. Listen. The Lord is long-suffering in His coming, not wanting any to perish. As we talked about last week, the field is wide into harvest, but the laborers are few. we got to recognize right now the Lord is wanting to see people come to know Him. And we can also be assured as well that, listen, if that day comes where we get arrested for being followers of the Lord, and I know in the West, we're like, what, what? Could that ever happen? Well, ten weeks ago we might have thought more like that maybe this morning we're not thinking so much that way that day could come that day could come for me today i I don't know but we need to know this that our confidence is in the lord and in the last days jesus did say that there would be heavy persecution against the church we'd be hated by all nations and even talks about being arrested for being followers of the Lord, notice there are Mark chapter 13 there in your notes, but in verse 11 it says, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, but whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Because in the context, he says, this will happen so that you can be a witness to those that you stand in front of, those who try you. And I don't think that always just necessarily happens in a law of court. As a Christian, we're getting tried all the time, right? People interrogating. What really are you about? How dare you put that on your social media? How dare you mention Jesus? Have you ever felt interrogated in a situation like that? Well, listen, let's make sure we're led by the Holy Spirit in our response versus our flesh. You you know the difference between the two, right? The flesh can make things real ugly, but the Spirit of God who's given us the word of god boy those answers are so much better now notice here verse 24 again it says now when the high priest the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things they wondered what the outcome would be when they heard they went to the prison the prison door was shut but they weren't in there what in the world's going to happen now listen they had just seen not many weeks earlier the lord crucified resurrected and and resurrected from the grave. They had seen the church birthed and exploding out. So we're seeing great signs and wonders. They saw that in the midst of this, the people that weren't believers were esteeming the church because they had a real walk and were really walking what God had called them to walk to. There was not a lot of hypocrisy in the church. And now they come here to this empty cell and no doubt they were thinking, what in the world could be next? What's going to happen, you know what, in the next scene? Well, notice verse 25. It says, so they came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And this was a big time burn on these guys that had arrested the apostles because they had went and flexed their muscles saying, we're going to imprison you. And the Lord once again had one up them. Aren't you glad we have a God that always one-ups the enemy? <laughs> no doubt. As they were wondering what would happen next, they were hoping that, listen, they got out of prison and they ran away and will never see them again and they're out hiding in a cave somewhere. Satan always wants that. Whenever Satan roars, whenever he's playing those psychological games to get us not to lean and stand on the Lord, but instead to lean on our own understanding, he always does that in hopes that we will shrink back. Because hear this this morning. I'm convinced that he is more knowledgeable of the power that we have in Christ Jesus than than we recognize or we know. He knows more than we know. It shouldn't be that way. Of the power of the name of Jesus. Of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows Mark 16, 16 through 18 is legit. When Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And all these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now we talked about the context of that last week and not tempting the Lord. But listen, the main emphasis here is this, that in the name of Jesus... We have authority over the enemy of our soul. It doesn't mean there won't be spiritual warfare, and at times we gotta pray through the night and so forth. But there's power in the name of Jesus, and those that have called upon the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior, listen, He indwells in you, and as I quoted earlier, greater is he who is in me, greater is he who is in we than he who is in the world. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, this was also so bad for these guys' cause because everyone knew they had been arrested for preaching Jesus. Everyone knew, and we'll see this clearly in the next verse, that these guys were doing a great work. Listen, even if you had issue with the gospel, you're seeing people getting healed. You're seeing people getting freed from the demonic and so forth. You know, you'd you'd have to be pretty hard-hearted even as one that doesn't follow the lord to say oh boy you know, shut all this down when you're seeing the lame walk and the blind see and so forth and these guys went and arrested these men that's not good for public relations when the public is holding this group in high esteem and now you find out that they're no longer in prison It was empty, the door shut, and then on top of that, they're in the place where you peddle your false gospel right there in your pulpit preaching the resurrected Lord. Now notice verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them out without without violence. Notice, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And here's the difference, and this should be one of the great differences between the church and followers of Jesus Christ and the world. The apostles in the church feared God. They had an awe of God, a reverence of God. They believed God's word was true, and as a result, it affected the way they lived their life. That is a fear of God. These religious, rebellious Jews, though, you know who they feared? They feared men. And it's always so much better to fear God and be led by Him than to fear men and be led by them. Because they're fearful in doing this. Listen, they might pick up rocks and stone us. So we better take these guys and approach them without any violence at all. As we bring them in to interrogate them as well. Got a verse there in Matthew 10 about Jesus telling us not to fear men, but instead to fear God. He says, don't fear men who can kill your flesh, but fear God who absolutely can destroy both the the body and soul in hell. Because I'll tell you, one of the great steps in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is a fear of God. A recognition, I'm a sinner. I'm under condemnation of my sin. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And he rose from the grave so I could have forgiveness and I could have salvation. Oh Lord, let me humble my heart and call upon your name. Listen. When you got saved, it was in part by a fear of God that had sobered up your thinking and sobered up your soul. And we want to walk in the fear of the Lord. And listen, in like manner, as these guys were fearful, the enemy of our soul, again, he talks tough, he talks a big game. But you've got to understand that he trembles at the thought of our God. He trembles at the thought of God's wrath that will soon be poured out on him. As well as the majesty of God, James two nineteen says, "You believe that there is, there is one God; you do well." Then it says, "Even the demons believe and tremble." Listen, this is about knowing who our God is and knowing who we are in our God. We need to know this in the day that we are living in. Now, notice verse twenty seven. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly, I like that word they use there, you know. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And you kind of ask the question here, who do these guys think that they are? They're really trying to put themselves in a place of God. You know, how dare you do what we told you not to do when God had told them to do what they were doing? And yet they are so brazen, they are so blinded in the rebellion, they are really exalting themselves, whether they knew it or not, above the position and place of God. The Lord Jesus had told them to take the gospel out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other parts of the earth, and that's what they were doing. And then these guys come along and say, we strictly told you not to do this. You need to listen to us. Notice as well here. Look at what they're infuriated at. They're infuriated because they're teaching the name of Jesus. They're filling Jerusalem with biblical truth and biblical doctrine. And then they say, you would tend to bring this man's blood on us. They're talking about sin. And not only the sins of those that headed up the crucifixion of Christ, but really even the sins of the nation. Because really, you get into it, we all put Jesus on the cross because of our sins. He went to die for our sin. And one thing we can know from here is these are three things that Satan desperately hates. Listen, he hates when we preach the name of Jesus. When we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we bring praise to Jesus. When we teach the truth that, again, we are sinners. Christ died for our sins after living a sinless life. The wrath to us was placed upon Christ. And three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin, death, Satan, and hell, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He hates that. He hates when the gospel is purely preached. Why? Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to, to salvation to everyone who believes. Remember, the enemy of our soul, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come to give life and life abundantly. And so with that, there is a great spiritual conflict that is taking place, and he cannot stand it. When Jesus is praised, when Jesus is preached, when the gospel is preached, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, Satan always hates, also hates, when we stand in and we teach sound biblical doctrine. When we teach in context of the scripture, when we go verse by verse and we say, what's being said here according to context? Let's not get in and twist the scripture. Let's not water it down. Let's not add to the Scripture, take away from the Scripture, but let's stand in what the Bible says. He hates that. Because again, you know what comes to that? Salvation. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It is so important in this day that we are living in, in this day of great deception, That we are a people walking in sound, biblical doctrine. That we're testing everything that comes our way, whether it's outside of the church or even coming from within the church. Everything coming from this pulpit. I guess this is kind of a pulpit this morning. And asking, is this biblical? Does this line up with scripture? I'll tell you, the scriptures talk about how in the last days there would be a great drift from sound doctrine. There would be apostasy in the church, of falling away from the faith. In fact, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure the scriptures. But it talks about instead they'll heap up teachers to tickle their ears, to tell them what they want to hear. They'll sing that song, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me what my flesh wants to hear. Don't tell me truth. I want to be comforted in my carnal Christianity or my fleshly pursuits. I don't want the truth. It's a picture of Israel in those times when God was calling them to repent and warning them of judgment would come if they don't repent. And yet false prophets would rise up and say, don't listen to this, Jeremiah. Don't listen to this, Ezekiel. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Everything's going to be okay. We need to make sure we're walking in truth. With that, very recently, actually within the last few months, Barna that does many polls and surveys, they found that only 6% of Christians have a, uh, excuse me, 6% of those surveyed have a Christian worldview. In other words, a biblical worldview, 6%. So if you see 100 people, you know, out about, only 6 of them are walking in sound or have a sound biblical worldview. Man, that's a sign of the times that we are living in. Now notice verse 29, and this is a key verse in what we're looking at here. It says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, and this is huge. Listen, underline this in your notes. Underline this in your Bible. They say, we ought to obey God rather than men. This has been a big subject in the body of Christ as of late. What are we supposed to do when those that are in high political authority command us to do things that God has told us not to do, and tells us not to do things that God has called us to do. And you need to hear this this morning. God's call and commands trumps or triumphs all other commands set up by men that contradict the word of God, period. No exceptions. And this is where people step back and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Steve. What about Romans chapter 13? Because Romans chapter 13, it speaks about, it said, in fact, in Romans 13, when it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And it talks about how there's you know, no authority that's in place that hasn't been put there or allowed to be there by God. But you need to know in the context, it goes on to say, and you can read this uh, on your own time, it talks about how these people are put into place, not to be a terror to those that do good, but instead to bless those that do good. And when they get in that place where they're a terror that, to those that do good, and they begin to set up laws that contradict what God has called us to do, we got to recognize that absolutely God is the highest authority. And we are not subjected to Romans chapter 13 when the powers that be are telling us to go against the commands of God that are that are for our good. That's what's going on right here. Listen, these religious Jews, they didn't just have a religious authority. They had a civil authority there as well. They had arrested them and put them in prison. They were allowed to do that. And they said, listen, we're not going to listen to you. You're strictly commanding us not to do this, but we're going to listen to God. We're not going to listen to men. And you've got to recognize that there is a pattern of this throughout the Scriptures. Example after example where the men and the women and the people of God were called to do one thing by God. And then kings and people and authorities told them to do something else. And it was crunch time. And the question was asked, what are we going to do? Are we going to serve God and listen to God? Or are we going to serve men and listen to men? Are we going to fear God? Or are we going to fear men? And listen, here in the West, we've had it so good for so many years. We're a blessed people. and Listen, we're still blessed to live in this nation. We really are. And we need to thank God for that. We need to be praying for our nation. I know you guys are doing that. We need to continue in that. But biblically, when it comes to end times prophecy, again, we are told, again, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Then Jesus said, you're going to be hated by all nations. Jesus talks about the time when you're going to be arrested. Now, I don't think he's talking about all of us being arrested there, but the time may come when you are. Not for evil doing, but for serving the Lord. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do when our faith is put to a test like that? You need to know, again, we've been so blessed here in the West, but over the last hundred years, there have been more people martyred for the cause of Christ than those other 1900 years combined. And these things are beginning to seep into our culture. And again, it's not a new thing biblically. There's several texts there that I have for you. I'm not going to read through all of these, but I want to just touch on these and just highlight them. Back when Israel was under the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt, and God was using that bondage to abound them and grow them, they went from 70 to millions of people. The more they were oppressed, the more that they grew. And the king of Egypt saw saw this happening, and he said, we got to stop this. And so he called the midwives that would help the Israeli women give birth. And he said, listen, if it's a girl that's born, that's fine. But if they have a son, you need to take that son. And notice there, he says specifically in verse 16, if it's a son, you shall kill him. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a daughter, then she shall be alive. Notice verse 17. But the midwives fear God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. The high authority said, you need to do this. And they said, we fear God. We will not. And then they came and they questioned them. It says in verse 18, so the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives came to them. Now listen, that was a lie. And I know some people read this text and that's all they can focus in on. They lied! I've had so many people over the years, They lied! Pastor Steve, they lied! Wasn't that a sin? Let me ask you this. If someone came to abduct your children and they were, you hid them and they showed up and they said, where are your children? We want them. Oh boy, I better not lie. I better be truthful. Years ago when I was a younger pastor, I'm an older one now. There was a guy that was abusing his girlfriend, using her as a punching bag. And she came and she took refuge in our home. Later on that afternoon, dude shows up to my door knocking on it, asking if she's there. What do you think I said to him? I said, she's not here. And then I said several things that would have probably gotten me kicked out of just about every pastoral association in the country. I haven't repented of either of those things to this day. As a result of this, listen verse 20. Therefore God dwelt God, you need to hear this. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. And so it was because the midwives feared God, he provided households for them. Get this in your heart. Fearing God always works out better. Obeying God always works out better. The next passage and I'm not going to read through it, but It's when the Israelites had left Egypt, and they're getting ready to go into Canaan. They come to Jericho. The Lord was sending them in there to take that city that absolutely belonged to Israel because God had given it to them. And Joshua sent spies in. And the king of Jericho found out there were spies, and someone had tipped them off. A snitch had tipped them off. (laughs) Snitch called the snitch line. And, and said, we know that they're in Rahab's house. Well, Rahab had a fear of God. She'd heard of all the things that God had been doing in Israel, how God had delivered them out of Egypt, how God had kept them and bought victory in the wilderness. And she had a fear of God, and she went and they hid those spies and the exact same thing. The king of Jericho had put the word out. The command was, you better give up these spies. And they knocked on the door. And again, she had hid them. And she said to him, oh, they're not there. They're down yonder. She feared God over men. Rahab, listen, go read Hebrews 11, Rahab. And, and she's called Rahab the harlot. That was before Christ. <laughs> she's in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. You read all these men and then Rahab, who stepped out of faith and served God. You know where she's also found? In the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Better to fear God than to fear men. Better to obey God than obey men. And then in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar had set up this gold image. And at the playing of all of these instruments, everyone was supposed to bow down and worship this thing. But there were certain Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the sound was made, they didn't bow down. And there were no doubt hundreds of thousands of people at this assembly they didn't bow down and probably would have went without notice, except there were certain, again, snitches in the crowd that snitched them out to Nebuchadnezzar. There's a snitch theme going on here. Are you getting that? They snitched him out. And they were questioned. They said, we won't bow down. We serve the God of heaven. These guys were actually high in the government themselves. But they said, we will not bow down. Remember, who didn't bow down, they were supposed to go in the fiery furnace, so they said, light that thing up, make it hotter and hotter. God not only preserved them, but when they were in that fire, Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he said, didn't we throw in three? Why do I see four, and why does the fourth look like the son of God? Think about Daniel. Again, Darius, the king, was manipulated in passing a law that no one should pray to anyone but him for 30 days. And if they didn't pray to him, They'd be thrown in the lion's den. And what did Daniel do? What did Daniel do? In verse 10 it says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since the early days. I think we all know how that goes. God preserved him, God shut the mouth of those lions, and God even prevailed over his enemies. And listen, even Jesus himself, I won't read it, but in Matthew 12, the Lord healed often on the Sabbath. And these same Jews that were coming against the early church had added to the law of God, and they said on the Sabbath you can't heal anybody, and if you heal anybody, you are guilty of breaking God's law. They had added to that to the Scriptures God had never said that. Listen, the Sabbath is to give people rest. Is there a greater rest than healing someone of their affliction? I had, that's one of the greatest rests that you could have. But they had added to that law, and they accused the Lord, again, of coming against the laws of men. And what did Jesus do? Jesus, even all the more, healed on the Sabbath. Here a Sabbath, there a Sabbath. He was healing Sabbath after Sabbath, showing them, I'm going to obey God my Father, not listen to you. These are trying times that we are in. And we got to know this truth and we got to stand in it. And listen, I know some of these things are hard to navigate. For the last 10 weeks, we've been praying profusely of what to do. And initially, listen, we shut things down. I believe it was the proper thing to do. But then when we finally got to a point where they're like, you know, church is going to be phase 18, (laughs) you know. We're, We're talking, you know. Mid-December, we, we might give you Christmas. We're like, enough's enough. We'll do things the right way. And I'll tell you, listen, this setup this morning, you're not going to find it at Home Depot, the Walmart, any of these restaurants. I haven't seen a setup this good at one press conference that I've seen from any politician. Hebrews ten thirty-seven. but yet for a little while, he was coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith and if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him for we are not of those who draw back to perdition but to those who believe to the saving of the soul listen we got to walk by faith and hopefully these things are building your faith listen we're not looking at this morning to invoke fear in your heart God's not going to give us more than we can handle we need to remember that he's gracious he's merciful he's long-suffering in it with us but let's let these sayings, the word of God, build our faith this morning. The God's on the throne, the God's in charge, the God's gonna go before us, and as we lean on him, he's gonna make our path straight. Can we say amen to that? Now let's close to this. We'll do it pretty quickly. Verse 30, it says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And I love this because. Not only do they not conform what they're telling them to do, they come right back with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They bring the bad news. You murdered him, put him on a tree. You're sinners. They bring the good news, though, that God the Father raised him up, and he's Savior, and he'll raise all who repent and he'll forgive them of their sin. He'll save all those that repent and forgive them of their sin. They talk about him being murdered on a tree. I got the passage there in Galatians that refers to the Old Testament law where it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They put Jesus on a tree and indeed he was cursed in that he took our sin, the curse of our sin upon himself. But praise God, when he rose from the grave, he defeated that curse. And in Christ he's defeated that curse against sin, death, hell, and Satan. And we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Verse 32, they say, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And nothing's changed to this day. We're reading the account of this witness, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit goes forth, even right now, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we must remember that, especially when we start feeling overwhelmed and we're like, God, where are you? God's word stands. His Holy Spirit is convicting of all people, sin righteousness, sin judgment, and things are unfolding as God said that they would. Verse 33, it says, when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. So they had gone from being indignant to furious to plots of murder. And we see the difference here. Listen, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come to give life and life abundant. Now, notice 34 through 39. It says, then one, of the councils, one, of, one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. They're like, get these guys out of here. We need a powwow in private. And he says here in verse 35, men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do regarding these men. So he says, listen, it's time to slow down, guys take heed to what you're doing here. You need to calm down. And notice he gives a few examples. For some time ago, uh, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. Theodos, I'm somebody, you know. A number of men, about 400, joined him and he was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this, after this, uh, man judas of galilee rose up in these in the days of the census and drew away many people after him he also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed and then notice verse 38 and now i say to you keep away from these men and let them alone for if this plan or this work is of men it will come to nothing but if it's of god you cannot overthrow it lest you be, lest you be fi- found even fighting against God. Well, listen, here we are 2,000 years later. I think this is a work of God. Can we say amen to that? In fact, Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Works of men flame out. Works of God last. And let's make sure, again, we're a people that are about the work of God, not doing our own thing. Notice verse 40, then they agreed with them and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So listen, this sounds good. We'll just let it ride out. But for good measure, bring them in and let's give them a beating and command them, you know, not to preach Jesus. Notice Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God has not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll also reap. It'd be soon after this, not many years, where the temple would get knocked down. Not one stole, stone would be on the other. And these Jews that the Lord loved so much and wept over passion week, that they weren't repentant of, they were scattered over the face of the entire earth. You reap what you sow. In fact, they had even said, let his blood be on us and our children's hands. But aren't you glad God's faithful when we're faithless? Aren't you glad God sees past our hardness of heart and God has been faithful to that covenant with Abraham and in the last days regathered Israel and soon we read in the prophecies all Israel will even be saved. Verse 41, they just got beat for Jesus and what do they do? Do we see them complaining? Jesus, we didn't sign up to be beat. Notice notice verse 41, so they departed from the presence of the council rejoicingly were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Praise God, we were beat for Jesus. You can read it when you get time, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. It talks about rejoicing in the sufferings of Christ. Have you figured out in life, we're all going to suffer for one thing or for, for another? Is there anything better to suffer for than the cause of Christ? He even talks about here on, their behalf the lord's blaspheme but on our behalf when we suffer for christ the lord is glorified and then we also think about what jesus said in matthew five, eleven through 12 he says blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you we need to have this before us Because oftentimes we just think I'm a Christian and I'm not called to suffer whatsoever. And yet the Lord said we'll have trials and tribulations and persecutions. And there might be times where we suffer for the cause of Christ. But let's remember our day, our time here is like a breath. Our time here is short. The psalmist said, blessed is the man whose heart is set on his pilgrimage. God is glorified in that. And absolutely there is a great reward waiting for us another crown you know that we can put at the foot of jesus in glory when we stand for truth and we walk with the lord in this life and then finally verse 22 what did they do they've been strictly commanded multiple times now verse 42 it says and daily in the temple and every house they did not cease they didn't cease teaching and preaching jesus as the christ they didn't shrink back shrink back instead They plowed forward in the Lord. Boy, I don't know about you, but I'm greatly encouraged by the text here. Take the things that we've looked at. You got scriptures there. Again, we want to test all things by the word of truth. I'm just so thankful that he is our Lord and Savior, that he is in control. Let's all stand up right now. And we're going to close with a word of prayer and one last worship song. Heavenly Father, indeed, we bless you this morning. We just thank you that you are so good to us. We just thank you, God, for this opportunity to come and gather in your name, to worship you, to get into the scriptures. And Lord, we can't do anything without you, Lord. We need you in all that you've called us to do. Lord, as you said, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. As we've heard the word this morning, we just pray, God, that our faith would abound all the more and you'd strengthen us from upon high. And listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. And you've heard the gospel, the good news, more than once in this message. Starts with the bad news that we are sinners under condemnation. But the good news is that life is found in Christ. The good news is that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And if that's you today, you don't know him, but you're saying, Steve, I want to know him. I encourage you right now as we are closing to ask Jesus to be your Lord. Ask him to save you. Ask him to wash you of your sins. He'll meet you right where you're at. And then I'd encourage you to tell somebody. We have Bibles here. If you don't have one, we'd love to put one in your hands. And I just pray if, you, if that's you this morning, that God would bless you greatly and shine his face upon you. If that's anyone watching online, same thing. Call upon the name of the Lord. Repent and put your trust in him. We thank you and praise you, Lord. Let's worship him as we close.
1: Wonderful, wonderful.
0: Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. God is good. Amen. Listen, God bless you guys. This um, is on exiting. Just if you could do us a favor, make sure you got everything you came with or, or we gave to you on the way in. And uh, I know ev- people are in different places. I know some people are just, you know, wanting to go out and and, and get going. And so, God bless. I know some of you guys want to kind of stand and talk with people. You know what? Just, just try to stay out of, you know what, the other person's grill. And uh, I got my own opinions on some of these things, and I won't let the cat out of the bag this morning. I've been doing that on the Facebook for the last 10 weeks. But you know what? God bless you, and I just pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Hopefully, we'll see you on Wednesday night. God bless.